Hey, everybody. On the run with Beards and Dunn, back again. Beards is our second episode for 2024. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Dunn, I'm, uh, we just want to go back just for a second. And that was so much fun last week, having Frank Shorter on. And gosh, you know, we could have... We could have probably done three, four shows with him. <laughs> well, I think, you know, after we got done, we, you and I talked and we said, we, we'll, we'll have Frank back again, I oh, hope, someday. For sure. Because we just scratched the surface. Oh, totally. you know, there was a bunch of things oh. I wanted to ask him, but the time went by so gosh dang quick. I like, and he is a, I like listening to him talk, you know, and even Karen, my wife, she listened to it after we recorded it and was out. She goes, man. That guy sounds like, you know, like he could be a teacher, you know, like he speaks so well. I go, he's an attorney. You know, oh, he's a lawyer. Done. I mean, obviously he's, he went to Yale, you know, it's like. Done. I got to tell you this. So, you know, over the years I've been on panels and the stage speaking with Frank and Bill and stuff. And, you know, I'm kind of a, you and I are both kind of country bumpkins and, yeah, okay. you know, so somebody will ask a question. I talk for a little bit. Well, then Frank talks. And it's like, I, I feel like I'm in like kindergarten or something, and, but he's, he's so good at what he does and, and he's so analytical and, and, you know, he, for many years, he did a lot of the NBC or whoever covered oh. the, the Olympics for the marathon. He, and I, I don't, I don't know why they don't bring him back because he's so good and why not have an Olympic gold medalist oh, there to, to be like, able to tell everybody what's going on. And his rate, name recognition alone would get people oh. just to watch, even if they're not that interested, just to see what Frank Shorter has to say. Yeah, I remember exactly. him doing New York City Marathon back in, I think it was 1980, 81. What year did you run your 81? Well, was it was, no, Don, that's the thing I wanted to bring up to him. Yeah, so the in cream 1980, <laughs> I, yeah, I come off the, the uh, Queensboro, Queensboro Bridge onto First Avenue in first place by about 150 meters and, and the ABC uh, wide world of sports press truck is there and Frank Shorter and Jim McKay, who hosted that show forever. Jim turns to Frank and says, Frank, who's this guy out in front with that real high number? Frank goes, I have no idea what he looks like a cream puff to me. Yeah, I know. He didn't know who you were. He you know, Up until no. that moment, he didn't know who Dick Beardsley was. And that, no, and now I, we've, you know, the yeah. fact that I can call him a good friend, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think he might, he, I don't know, he might want to rephrase that again or something. Well, anyway, Mike, no, that listen, was a, we got yeah. a big race coming up um, oh. for men and women on Saturday, the Olympic, the February 3rd. The Olympic, U.S. Olympic trials for men and women. And in the yeah, marathon. I think in the marathon. And, um, you know, let's let's talk about that because, you know, as a runner, that was always, you know, the Olympic Games are always kind of like the highlight for our sport. Right. Um, you know, the Super Bowl for football, the NBA finals for basketball, you know, the World Cup for soccer. Everybody's got their, you know, Wimbledon, you know, or whatever yeah. for tennis. Well, what's what's the runners? What is their big thing shooting for? Well, the Olympic Games. And, you know, to get there is really the challenge because, you know, the United States, what a depth of talent and, and the number of people we have and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, as a runner, you'd say, well, step one is to get good enough to actually even get to go to the trials. Yeah. To, you know, to, to have a to qualify. Yeah. How many guys are, you know, world to qualify for the 1500, the 5,000 or the 10,000 on the track. That's pretty rarefied air. I mean, those guys right. are, that's, those are those ge genetically gifted people. The marathon's a little different animal in that it's the distance, I mean, 26.2 miles. And, you know, the history of the event, the, you know, it's, it's just, it's kind of off the charts. 
And, you know, I think what really kind of brought it home for me and I think for you, too, is, you know, looking back, you know, like in the in the 60s in the, you know, and Ron Dawes, you know, Ron oh. Dawes comes to mind because Ron is a Minnesota boy. Yeah. And he made the Olympic team in the marathon and he wrote a book. And I know you're you've oh, got that book. Self-made Olympian. The self-made Olympian. And it's kind of like, well, here's a guy who came and ran the Jack 15, did right. road races around the Midwest, you know. A lot of the oh, runners, yeah. I know Bob Bartling and and people like that know him, per, knew him personally. Right. Makes the Olympic team and and you kind of inspired a generation of young runners. Like nothing's impossible, you know. Just you may not be that talented in the the track events, but again, the marathon, the endurance, the the the, the stubbornness, you know, the well, yeah, just the and, training, and the the cat and mouse game that can go on in an event that takes, you know over two hours two to hours. run it's just you got a lot of time to make up if you run into a little bit of a problem out there and if you catch that i you know it doesn't happen at all but you catch that you could call it the magical day when right? things are clicking and you know um and we'll talk about that you know like in 2000 when rod dehaven won the olympic yes. trials and and i've you know i think rod's you know basically his point was he outlasted everybody. You know, he was talented. So were a lot of other guys, you know, there are a lot of equal abilities, Absolutely. but a tough day on a tough course under tough conditions. It was a, it was kind of a, a raffle. Who's going to, who's going to pull this thing out and Rod, right. You know, the cream rose to the top, you know, he, he stuck it out and he won the gall darn thing, went to the Olympic games. And so another real inspiring story. And so, um, before we got on beards, I kind of, you know, we're going to talk about the race on Saturday and yeah. you know, normally our podcast comes out on Sunday. We're putting this one out. Well, hopefully people are listening to this on Friday, the right. day before the race. We're recording this earlier in the week, but you know, we're going to try to get this out before the race, you know, maybe to kind of get people fired up a little bit and get them, uh, Oh, I, I know I'm going to be oh, yeah. Saturday morning, man. I'm, 10, laying, I'm on the couch watching <laughs> 10, 10 Eastern standard time. It's that's the schedule yep. start. And we can talk about that. They were going to start the darn thing at noon. Oh my and, gosh. I know. In and, Orlando, and, and, Florida. In Orlando, Florida. And I guess there was some pushback from the runners. Jeez. You know, who's and, and their agents and the, probably a lot of other people that are in the know. And I think they were trying to cater to TV. You know, I'm sure. Oh, they were know, for sure. Yeah. You know, they noon is a better time to turn on your watch sports and 10 in the morning. But the athletes, you know, to try to, to qualify. And what's the new wrinkle is you have to meet the IAAF standard. And yes. it's like two oh eight ten, if I'm not mistaken. It's really, it's really it's a, tough, a, a tough time. And so, you know, if you want, if you're going to run a trials in the heat of the day in Florida, humidity and heat, you know, the odds of an athlete being able to, to raise his performance to that level is really, you know, it's going to be tough. Well, so they exactly. adjusted it, the time. Yeah, and they the athletes wanted eight a.m. and so they they, want, they, yeah. they met in the middle. So they did in the middle. So I guess it's yeah. a little bit of everything. Okay, before we got on the air, here's some. I'm just gonna give you a little history about the Olympic oh, Trials. Oh yeah, I love this stuff. I, I know you do. 1968. And I, I, you know, I wasn't a runner. I didn't know I was 11 years old. But yeah, you know, I um, wasn't either. There were there was a uh, they had the you know Olympic trials, and there was no qualifying time. Anybody could show up at. They said we're gonna have a race. The first three finishers are gonna qualify to go to the Olympic Games that were gonna be in Mexico City. So anybody could have showed up. Anybody could have showed up. Wow. You just had to say hey. I don't, I don't know if there was probably an entry fee or something, Yeah, but you just had to show up to Alamosa, uh, Colorado. And, um, 
you know, how, what's the elevation of Alamosa? Over 7,000 feet? I think so. And they must have picked Alamosa because we're going to Mexico City. So yes. you know, elevation, elevation, let's, you know, compare apples to apples. And three runners, uh, George Young won the race in 230. Kenny Moore, 231. And, I didn't uh, know Kenny made the 68 team. He did. He was second place. And Ron Dawes in 233. And, uh, you know, uh, those three guys went to Mexico City. Now, wow. I, I never, I haven't looked and see how they, how they did. I think the Africans, the East Africans and all that, that they were born and raised and trained at altitude, really right. dominated that Olympic Games. But um, we had our three guys there from the United States. Well, in 72, Frank Shorter was now on the scene, and he had won Fukuoka, which is kind of the world championship marathon, yes. I think once or twice before the – I think he won it in 70 and 71. And so going into the 72 trials, he was really coming into his own. He and Kenny Moore tied for first in 2.15.58. Uh, Not a super, super fast time, but, you know, the trials isn't about running fast. No. It was, it's finishing in the top three. And those yep. two guys ran uh, pretty well, 2.15.58. Uh, Jack Batchelor ended up third in 2.20.30. So he they had about four and a half minutes. Wow. So, you know, they were cruising up there. And so there was nothing, you know, once they established that gap, there was nothing for them to do except no. just maintain. Jack Batchelor and, and Jeff Galloway actually came in together and tied for third in 2.20.30. But Jeff Galloway had already, or was going to run the trials 10K, made That's the team. Right. And he gave the spot to his friend, training partner, Jack Bachelor. So yes. this whole Florida track club of Frank Shorter, Jack Bachelor, Jeff Gatt, they all qualified to go to Munich. Pretty cool. And uh, But that was the first year in 72. You you were invited to come to the trials if you'd run a sub 230. You had to break well, That's what it was. It was 230 in 72. Okay. And so um, 76 rolled around, and now they lowered the standard to 223. And I, if I remember right, I think the th rationale was they had to, you know, kind of limit the field. They, sure. Um, and the, I, if I remember correctly, they looked at like the hundredth fastest American the year prior, and 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 it was right around. It must have been right at about two twenty three. Okay. And so they figured, look, if we can get the hundred best guys here, it's a it's a manageable size field. Right. Plus, you know, you're not going to have four or five hour people out there, you know, no. keeping the course open and, and that sort of thing. Well, obviously, Frank Shorter won it, too, and he told us about that last week, 2 yeah. Bill Rogers just six, seven seconds behind him. They were going to tie, but he, like, Frank, I didn't know this part of the story. I didn't I just, either. I had just kind of thought Frank kind of wanted to send a message to Bill. Hey, I'm number one. You know, when they got to the end, he he put the hammer on him. But no, Bill, you know, was cramping and said, Frank, don't wait. You just go ahead. I'm fine. I'm, I'm yeah. just going to finish and protect second place. Don Cardong was third, 213.54. So he was actually two minutes behind Bill Rogers. Tony Sandoval was fourth. And I bring that up just because you know what's going to happen four years later. Right. Um, before we go on from the 76, though, I was looking through the results. And guess who got 11th place at the Olympic trials? In two nineteen oh five, an nineteen seventy six. Yes, an SDSU alumnus. Wait, who the heck? I know. I I knew I'd stump you with this one. We you met did. him. We met him at uh, the Schlitz Light twenty five K down in Kansas oh, City. Oh, Busby. Bob Busby. Bob Busby. He got fourth. Eleventh. Eleventh. Eleventh place. Yeah, almost top ten at the Olympic trials. Man, two nineteen oh five. Yeah, you know, I kind of forgot that, or maybe I never even knew that he ran that well at the 1976 Olympic Trials. Bob Busby, 11th place. I'm bringing this up because we do have a couple SDSU runners 
this Saturday in the race yes. down in Orlando. We're going to talk about them in a few minutes. Uh, 1980 rolls around, and the guy who finished fourth in 76, Tony Sandoval, put the hammer on him. He won the race, won the Olympic trials, 210-19. Benji Durden, a friend of yours, yep. 210-41. And uh, Kyle Hefner, 210-55. And then another friend that we just had on the podcast, Ron Tab was fourth in 212-39. So he was about a minute and a half back from third. You know, I think the heartbreak is if you're in fourth place and you see third place ahead of you, that's got to be like, how can I get from here to there? I know. I, you know, I'd rather get beat by a minute and a half than by a second and a half. Well, over, and done. Uh, we should mention this too, is that there, some of the big names did not run that marathon because it's a boycott. With the, when the Russians had invaded yeah. Afghanistan, President Carter decided we're going to boycott the Olympics that were going to be held in Moscow. So Bill all Rogers. the guys going yeah. in knew yeah. they they were going to make an Olympic team, but they weren't going to be able to run the Olympics. And a good friend of mine, um, Gary Bjorklund, was so it was probably Gary's best shot at making the marathon the team, team in the in 1980, and he didn't even run it. He, he came and ran Grandma's marathon, you know, a month later instead, and all ran by two himself ten. ran two two ten twenty. Yeah, yeah, like like in a time trial, basically. Right. And, well, that year too, they had they had this the, you know, the qualifying standard dropped to two twenty one fifty four, and you and I have talked about that. How you no, nipped no. it? I thought it was two twenty one fifty six. Well, it was yeah, it, it I, was because I ran two twenty one fifty four. I got this off of Let's Run dot com website, and so somebody had posted. So I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to okay. argue with you, but yeah, and you you just snuck under by a couple seconds, and then yeah. you did run a two twenty twenty two at Nike to kind of solidify your, uh, your try your trial spot. And I remember you beards. Let's talk about 1980 for a minute. Cause you were there, you were at the trials yes. and you were coming in there with a PR, correct me if I'm wrong. Two sixteen twenty. No, was it two twenty? I hadn't, I, yeah, I had not broken two twenty yet. And so you went to the trials with just your two twenty under your belt. I went and there the, and that wow. winter, you know, I was sick all winter with anemia. Right. And, right. uh, Remember that. And I remember I was, I, I mean, I could hardly walk up a flight of stairs. I remember running a 25 K down in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And I finished almost dead last, like the an 80 year old guy. Beat me. Yeah. 25. Yeah. We talked about yeah. that. Yeah. And, and, uh, I was ready to, I, I thought I'd lost that zest and my mom finally convinced me to go to the doctor and they found out I was just very anemic. So they got me on some iron tablets and so done. So I went in to the Olympic marathon trials in 1980 thinking this is it for me. I really, really, I was, I, I, I knew I'd been still been running and training, but I knew I, you know, obviously I didn't have a chance. I'd never broken 220, but I wanted to be able to tell my kids and grandkids that, Hey, the old guy, you know, ran into the, the trials. trials. So that was going to, that was going to be my swan song. I was, <laughs> I was all set to be done with competitive running. And it was one of those days where, I had no expectations and like we were talking just a little bit earlier about, you know, it was one of those days where I, uh, I started off a lot more conservative than I typically would. And I, I, I got over, you know, the only the first three or four miles of the marathon was run in the United States outside mm. of Buffalo. And then we crossed the peace bridge and uh, the rest of the race, 20 plus miles about were run on the Canadian side. And as flat as a pancake and anyhow done, I just kept picking off people after people <laughs> after people. 
And I, I finished uh, 16th overall, ran two hours, 16 minutes and one second. And done. I you would have thought I was an Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> I was so gosh dang excited and done. I wasn't halfway through that shoot. And I already and I already told myself, I'm not quitting now. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, you know, when you drop when you knock four minutes off your personal best, that's gonna oh, that put a smile on anybody's me. face. But man, you know, when you think about, you know, this the 16th fastest going, you know, at the end. Um, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Unfortunately then 80, well, I had qualified for 80, but I get, wasn't able to go to the yeah. trials. I had an injury. It was like that it band. I had stretched, drained or somehow or another sure. injured myself, missed my whole, uh, the, the spring of 80, the track season was wiped out. And so that really was frustrating, but you know, then you kind of re gear up and you say, all right, back on the horse and, right. and 84 seemed like, and you know, we, that's kind of where we left off. We had both, um, qualify i had qualified for 84 at boston um in 83 to go to the trials and you unfortunately even though you had that great 208 under your belt right. in 1982 the olympic trials qualifying period was actually boston of 83 i guess up until <laughs> up until the next olympic trials you had you had to break 21904 well yeah um, and done and so you had about a year to do it well yeah. then you know i i hurt my Achilles tendon severely. And, and, and now these kids, which is great. They have like a two, two and a half year period when they Window. can qualify. Yeah. And they have the half marathon as an option as yes, well. Yes, exactly. And, and so they give them, you're not, it's not, it's not all your eggs in in one basket for a short period of time. Right. Sort of thing. And I know it was super frustrating for you because you had to kind of try to rush your recovery. And I don't know, you know, we hadn't got to this part of our stories yet, but I knew um, you'd kind of gotten your Achilles back to where you were trying to train, trying to get into a a race to qualify. And well, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I Dr. Bill uh, Clancy, he was the orthopedic U S Olympic orthopedic surgeon. And he rebuilt my left Mm -hmm. Achilles tendon. This is like in August of 83, I think. So less than a year before the Olympic games. And so he says, I can't, he go, he told me, he says, you, you can't even think about running for six weeks or for six months. Well done. I I'll never forget where I was six weeks later. I was in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada, not too far from where I live here in Minnesota. And uh, I remember I went out, it was six weeks after surgery and I went out for a one mile run and it hurt like heck. But, you know, back then I could take that pain and just kind of put it in the back of my head. And it wasn't long. I was back, you know, training hard, running 120, 130 miles a week. And I, but I still needed a qualifying time. And I tried to get a, 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 um, a buy into the, into the trials race. And back then the athletic Congress was our governing body for, for distance runners in the United Mm -hmm. States. And, uh, Olin Castle was the president and stuff. I wrote him a nice letter and, and. And I showed, I went, somehow went to a library or something, found where they had let athletes over the years in Go to certain the events. Yeah. yeah, into the trials. I didn't, I wasn't want a spot on the team, just in the trials. And he, he called me a little bit later, you know, after they received my letter and they had a vote and they all voted no. And, hmm. and so there I was. And so I went out to California to try to qualify. And I remember, I don't know, about seven miles in, I came around a sharp turn and pushed off with my left foot and... There she went. And they, yeah, they didn't even fly me back to Minnesota. They did 
reconstructive surgery out in Los Angeles, and it was about two years then before I could even run again. I think I remember that race was actually broadcast, and they. I remember it was heart-wrenching to watch. They loaded you in an ambulance. Yes. And uh, had you carted off oh. to who knows where, but... Oof-da. All right, let, let, well, that's enough about, and you know, but 84, <laughs> trials went on without us, Beards. <laughs> I to, yeah, uh, exactly. And, and a friend, I think, is a, do you know Pete Fitzinger? Oh, I know Pete really well. I thought so, because he was a New Balance runner, and so yes. were you. So I kind of thought you had, you guys had that mutual acquaintance there or whatever. Right. And uh, it was a, what a race, because Alberto Salazar oh. was obviously the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. Well, yeah, I he'd mean, never been beaten in the marathon. Ameri- yeah. And so uh, Pete Fitzinger went out, took the race by the scruff of the neck, I think as they used to say, oh, broke yeah. away by himself. And the pack came back on him. And uh, in fact, Alberto Salazar, and, and they caught him, I think, in sight of the finish line. Oh, for sure. And it was sprint. I remember watching it on TV and I thought, well, oh. Alberto, Alberto's going to put this guy away. Pete held him off all the way to I the know it. And, and won the race. And two eleven forty three Salazar two eleven forty four John Tettle two eleven fifty. So they were there was tight up there in the oh top my, three. Yeah, four it was places. a sprint to the finish. We'll make this fast because after that, you know, nineteen eighty eight came around and, and beards. I gave it one last shot. You know, my last marathon was nineteen eighty three, and then the nineteen eighty eight Olympic trials, and I had qualified for eighty and eighty four. And I thought, you know, and I was like 34 years old at this time. And I kind of ramped up my training. I'd been running 10K road races and a few half yeah. marathons and what have you. But the marathon, I just, I, I was, that takes so much commitment and time and effort. But I thought, what the heck? And I was living in Spearfish, South Dakota that winter and teaching at the Job Corps. And, and I upped my mileage. And, you know, I was trying to knock it. You know, I couldn't do 90 to 100 mile weeks. I just couldn't. I was doing more like sure. 70s, 70 to 80s. And there was part of me that convinced myself that, well, experience and memory, (laughs) you know, you try to be positive and uh, I'll be honest with you. You know, I I did a lot of work. I did strength work. I did, you know, mile repeats in Spearfish Canyon in the dark with Karen following me in a car. So the headlights (laughs) would illuminate the road. Paul Young followed me on a bike one time doing a 20 miler in Spearfish Canyon. And, you know, I was warm running 20 miles and Paul was on a 10 speed bike going about, well, 10 miles an hour. I was probably doing about six minute miles. Well, you're not generating any heat. No. And he about froze like a popsicle. <laughs> I'll always owe him for that one. And he hung in there with me because he had bottles of water. And he was, right. you know, and he was kind of my pacer, if he would, just somebody to be out there with me. <laughs> that poor guy about killed him. Well, and so you had uh, kind of given up the, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. The yeah. 1984 trials came and went. Right. Your Achilles was, <laughs> did you have to have surgery again? Yeah, twice I had two surgeries on it. And after they recovered from those surgeries, your running career was it was done? pretty much done. You, you know, had, it was pretty yeah. much done. And and then in in eighty six, early nineteen eighty six, gosh, I was back running again. It, it it wasn't bothering me anymore. And I and I you know my I still wanted to try to make an Olympic team, and and I I felt like my best shot would have been in nineteen eighty four. You know, but sure. you know injuries prevented that. So I thought, man, I, I, I'm going to give it one more shot, you know? And, and so I, I trained and I went out to the Napa Valley uh, marathon in Napa, California in the March of 1987. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. 87. And I was fortunate. I mean, I done, I don't think I've ever been so focused on a race 
as I was there, I uh, I got up to the start and the gun went off and I took off and hit like five minutes the first mile and I had nobody around me. So I, I knew it. I just had to focus and, and I had to run. What was it qualifying time that year? Well, you had to break 220 to go to the trial. That's what I thought. Yeah. And I ended the, up running. I, I cramped my my cat one of my calves cramped up real bad the last mile and a half or so but i ended up running 216 20 and qualified and i was you know tickled pink it was the first marathon i'd run in about two and a half years or something like that and so i i uh i qualified for the trials and they were out in hoboken new jersey (laughs) which is right across from new york city and i remember i had because I, i i had the fastest time of anybody going into the the race because Alberto wasn't running that race, and I, my two hundred eight from a couple, oh, you know, yeah. from eighty two, so I was I was given bib number one. I didn't know that. And oh wow! Yeah, and and my training had gone really really well, and you know I I wasn't quite hitting some of the times and shorter races that I did before, but I I, I you know I felt like well the marathon's kind of a different beast and and done. I remember the gun goes off and I go out with the lead group. And now here's the deal. So I, I don't want to sound like, oh, five minutes is slow, but we were running at about five minute pace and it should have felt good, easy yeah. and good, but it didn't. And at about five miles, I'm in the lead group and I'm struggling and I, I start falling off the back end. And pretty soon Greg Meyer we got to get Greg on one of these times. He'd okay. be great. Uh, Randy Tom and Randy Thomas, both awesome runners. They came back to where I was to go beards and they're going, come on, come on, come with yeah. us. And I go, guys, man, I said, I feel like I'm dragging a plow. I said, I'm doing the best I can, but I said, don't let me mess up your race, yeah. you know? So they went, got back up in the, into the, um, lead into group. the lead group and, I, they they just kept them further and further and further away. And pretty soon I could not see the lead pack anymore. They were so far in front of me, but I thought, okay, cause here, my goal that day was this, I'm either making the Olympic team or this is my last race as a so-called professional or an elite athlete. And, and done. It was not being able to see them, but I thought I'm, I'm finishing today if I have to crawl in and I'll never forget this, I go by about the, the 23rd or 24th mile aid station and they have a, a big sound system there. And as I'm running by grabbing a cup of water, they were interviewing the three guys that made the Olympic <laughs> team. And I still had three miles to go, but done. I tell you what, I came across the finish line there and, And, you know, my first wife, Mary, was at the finish line and I had a big smile on my face. You know, I'd given it my best shot. I ran 227 that day. And, you know, so far behind, it was not even, it was almost laughable. But when I got done, honest to gosh, done. I had a smile from ear to ear. You know, running had taken me at that level so far beyond and I went out there that day. I gave up my best shot. I didn't drop out. I, you know, I could have made up some excuse, but I thought, hey, yeah. uh, it is what it is. And best luck to the three guys that oh, made the team. I love it. That's awesome. I, I hadn't heard some of that. You know, well, you inspired me because when you ran that 216 in uh, the year earlier or in, yeah, because I then thought I need to get a qualifying time. 
And so right. I was training and training. And for some reason I was going to go to Houston. I remember I was visiting you that winter and we were, I was doing one mile intervals on your treadmill. I don't know if you remember yeah. this or not. And I uh, do. And I had gone up there in, in the fall and ran a um, 25K that uh, around the lakes. And, oh, yeah, the City of Lakes yeah, 25K. City, yep, yep. And I think I got like 10th or something, but I didn't run, you know, as well as I had in years past. You know, maybe sure. it was that kind of, I don't know if I was getting old or it was just I wasn't doing the training volume that I probably needed to be doing. Well, anyway, I decided, you know, Napa was in March and the trials were like in May. And so yeah. I thought, you know, I had one shot if I was going to do it. And I know, well, I thought, well, Napa, and you said, done, it's a nice course. There is a hill at 19 miles. But yep. other than that, and you know, the one hill on a court, hey, heartbreak hill on Boston. I mean, whatever. Right. It is what it is. So uh, you, I think, you know, I called up the race director, Reg, Her- Reg? Oh, I can't Reg Harris. Yeah, Reg Harris. And he said, Mike, we'd love to have you. You know, I had a 218 PR and trying to try to qualify for the trials. He goes, there's several other runners coming that want to try to qualify. And one of them was Brett Frias, a kid from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I knew Brent. Yeah. And he had won for Augustana and uh, didn't know him personally, but he had been training in Alamosa with Pat Porter and the Adam State uh, team. And right. he was in great, great shape. And so um, it's it's a terrible story because, you know, in March in South Dakota, the weather oh. is so unpredictable. I, I was, still feel bad for what <laughs> happened to you, Doug. I'll try to be brief, but this will take a while. I was up in our ca- our cabin, basically, up in the in the woods almost, <laughs> up in Spearfish. And I had the – my flight was like the day before the race. And so I, I heard – and there was a winter storm, a spring storm coming in. And I told Karen, my wife, I said, man, what if, if we get snowed in – I got to be at the airport to catch my flight and, you know, between Spearfish and Rapid City is a heck of a drive. And right. I knew a good friend, Joe Shook. I think you remember Joe was an yeah, SDSU yeah, grad. Yeah, Joe, Joe, sure. Yeah, Joe and, and his wife were living in Rapid City. Joe was a pharmaceutical rep for Pfizer, if I'm not mistaken. And Joe was a runner. And, and I called Joe because Joe's just a good guy and a friend. And I said, Joe, can I come down and spend the night in Rapid City at your house? Right. So I make sure I get to the airport. Oh, yeah, Mike, no problem. That'd be great. So I get down there and the weather is, it's coming in bad that, yeah. that afternoon. I went out for like a two, three mile run. I barely made it back to his house. It was blizzard. The car, I'm about to <laughs> I run bet. over. It was terrible. Well, we had some supper and, and they, they, they had, they, they made a little bed for me on their living room couch. I hope Joe never hears this because they had a newborn baby. <laughs> And that little kid, I think, woke up about every hour. They wanted to get fed or something. Oh, and they had this huge grandfather clock in their living room. And that dang thing was just a tick. And every 15 minutes, the dude's like, doing, you know, it'd make a noise. And then every hour, it would dong the, num- the number of hours. I don't know what it was, but geez, you know, I just, all I could think about was that either the kid would wake me up or the clock was, anyway, oh I barely gosh. got any sleep, which is okay. I got, you know, it's whatever I it know. is, it was, it is. Well, the funny. weather is just horrendous and I'm calling the airport and they go, yeah, your flight's canceled. I go, what? And they go, oh. well, we're hoping we'll have the airport open this afternoon. So all morning, Joe and I and his wife, Joe didn't go to work. The weather is so bad yeah. in Rapid City. We sit there and, and Joe's like, we need to call somebody. And I said, Joe, they, there's nothing we can do. He goes, you're trying to qualify the Olympic trials. You have to get on a flight. I mean, he was more <laughs> stressed out over this than right. I was. Long story short, I caught, they opened the airport and they got me on a flight to San Francisco, because you fly into San Francisco, and Reg Harris said, I'll pick you up. I called him, and I said, hey, I got on a flight. I'm landing at whatever. Beards, by the time he picked me up at the airport, it was like 10 o'clock at night. He drives me to Napa. It seemed like it was about an hour drive. 
I get an hour and a half about. I get put in a hotel. It's like midnight, and the race is like seven a.m. And so I, I I laid in that motel room, and all I could do is thank you, Lord, that I am here. You know, and I'm not going to complain about plus done. Oh, You're mental... two hours ahead of on oh, your time. I, I was, I was, I was a little tired. I went right oh. to sleep. I went right to sleep. But the next thing I know, you know, I had set my alarm. I'd asked for a wake up call. You know, they gave us the race. Somebody came and picked us up. There was about four or five invited athletes. Uh, Brent yeah. Frias, a guy named John Seymour from Sioux City at that 216 PR going into oh, yeah. the race. And he was there. And, and we got taken to Calistoga Springs is the, is it water? Bottled water. Is yeah. The, they make it there, and they're like the major sponsor. And there's, there's a town called Calistoga. Calistoga. Okay. Well, they open yeah. up the warehouse. There's like a 1,000 runners. But they us four or five, I'm not bragging, but there's four or five invited runners. They open up the warehouse and said, you guys can warm up in here. There's bathrooms nice. there. There's, there's nobody but us. Brent Frias and I are jogging through this warehouse. It's all lit up. It's nice in there. It's like, Sweet. It's like 45 degrees. It's a little chilly outside. Right. So we get to warm up in this nice building. Anyway, so about 10 minutes before the start, we head out to the starting line. Now, how are you feeling at I'm this feeling, point? I'm feeling fit, you know, and, okay. and the gun goes off. But how about off. The, the, the trip? Did that, uh, are you, are you uh, feeling just any so of that or are you too uh, jacked up? I'm too jacked up. I'm just happy to be yeah. there. I'm not going to worry about stuff. But the gun goes off and I thought, I, we, we have to run 520 pace. You know, we were all talking about it. Sub, you had to run a sub 220 to go to the trials. And, um, and everybody knew it. And so it's like, right. well, that's 520 a mile, fellas. This isn't a big secret here, you know, or anything. <laughs> exactly. So the gun goes off, you know, and in that first couple hundred yards, everybody's, nobody's just blasting out of there. Right. And I, and I kind of find myself in the lead and I'm thinking, okay, this feels good, but I hope somebody takes the lead. I don't want to lead. Yeah. Uh-uh. Were they Every, like sucking right off yeah, your back? Everybody's right on my back. And I'm thinking, yeah. well, you know, we'll go for a while to see what happens. Well, we go through the mile 520. I've got a perfect nailed it. Go through the next mile, 520 nailed it, you know? And so we're just running along and everything's going good until about eight, nine miles and beards. And I don't have to tell you how that, you know, you get the feeling like this, if I keep this pace going, I, this isn't going to end well. And we went through the half. I had to leave two or three guys go. I went through the half of one Oh nine flat. And I'm thinking, okay. Oh, you did. Yeah. I'm at two eighteen pace. And And how are you feeling at that point? Beards. I, I had to be honest with myself. I said, Mike, can you do another one of those? And it's right. Like, <laughs> I know. Mike, Mike's thinking, there's no way, Mike, you want to be. I felt like I should have been about done at that point. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah, things went downhill after that. And that hill at 19 miles was brutal. Oh. And then I got to the 20 mile mark. My uncle, who lives in the Bay Area, had actually drove over and he was at the 20 mile aid station standing oh, nice. there. And I saw him. And uh, he was, he had his eight millimeter camera. I actually have this. And he's recording me as I'm running up and I grab water and I walked and beards, you know, when you're walking through the aid stations. Yeah. It's not like I'm trying, I'm worried about losing seconds. I was trying to keep them losing minutes. And as he came up, he ran along beside me for a short period, my uncle. And he goes, how you doing? How you doing? I go, it's not my day. It's not a good day. And he goes, well, hang in there. And I, and I start running, I keep running and he jumps yeah. in his car and I, he's by himself. And as he's driving by me in his car, he's filming me with his camera, looking backwards. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Oh my God, my uncle's going to drive off the freaking road and get killed. Right. And he's, he's looking back. He's recording me. He's got some great footage. Well, anyway, I get to the 20. This is an uncle Bernie. Yes, it? it is. It's uncle Bernie. <laughs> and uh, he's at the finish line. I, he's filming me. I come in, I ended up fourth place. I ran two twenty five. I got you know, Brent Frias won it in 218 and change. 
Second place okay. was 218 and about 20 seconds behind him. And the winner, he qualified for the Olympic trials. He also won a free trip to a race in in France. There was a, they had Who a- Who did? Uh, Brent. The winner oh, wow. of the race in France got a free trip to Napa. The winner of the tr- race in Napa got a free trip to to that race in Dang, France. Dang, that wasn't around when I ran. No, the, no, Napa. it was that was pretty cool. <laughs> well, and then third place was like two twenty one, and then I was two twenty five and change. And so I was kind of, I felt satisfied that I gave up my best, and you know, I didn't. Right. I'd had I'd had some bad marathons. I dropped out at New York in eighty six and things like that, and Kansas City, and and um, you look back and you and you you, you don't. No regrets. You know, you'd say, well, why, what do you think happened? I don't think I trained hard enough. I really don't yeah. think I, tra- you know, yeah. you could use the weather and the travel and all that. Nah, you know, I, well, that, I had, that didn't help. It but... didn't help. I don't think it would have made up five minute difference for right. me there. Anything like right. that. Well, that's our Olympic trials history for you and I, I guess. I'm going to really roll here pretty quick. So in 1988, when you ended up in 227, I want to ask you what place that was, but do you remember? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was last, but it had been pretty close. <laughs> okay. Well, Mark Conover won the race at 212. Yeah. Ed Eyestone, 212. Pete Fitzinger, another Olympic team, 213. Uh, 92 came around. Steve Spence, 212. Ed Eyestone, 212. Bob Campanen, 212. Keith Brantley was fourth in 214. I'm going to bring up Keith Brantley's name because in 96, four years later, Campanen, who finished third the year two, four years earlier, right. wins it. Yep. Mark Coogan, second. Keith Brantley moved up from fourth to third, made his Olympic team. Uh, Steve Placencia, Minnesota boy, was fourth that day, 214, about a minute yeah. out of third place. 2000, need we go? Everybody, I hope, knows this that's listening. Rod DeHaven, first place, uh, 215, yes. on a tough, tough day, on a tough, tough course. I don't even know who the second place guy, Peter De La Certa, uh, ran 216. Got second. Mark, I don't know him. Mark Coogan, who was second in the trials in 96, was third. And unfortunately, because of the way they'd set up the Olympics, uh, IAAF now had standards. Rod was the only representative to uh, go right. to the Olympic Games in Sydney. Uh, 2004, Alan Culpepper's 211. Meb Kafleski, 211. Dan Brown, 212. Uh, 2008, Ryan Hall, 209. Dathan Ritzenheimer, 211. Brian Sell, 211. I've got this. I don't have this memorized, Beards. I'm good, but I'm not that good. You're doing good. Uh, 2012, uh, Meb Kifleski won the Galdar yep. thing, 209. Ryan Hall, 209 and second. Uh, Abdi, and I can't ever say his last name. Abda Abdi. Abraham. Abda Hiram? Yeah. All right. We just call him Abdi. <laughs> Abdi, 209. 2016, here we go. Galen Rupp, 211. Meb Kifleski, 212. Jared Ward, 213. 2020, Galen Rupp, 209, Jack Riley, 210, Abdi, 210. And now we're up to 2024, and uh, we're getting a little long here, but, you know, I I did go on the website, and, you know, the the five fastest uh, uh, runners at the trials this Saturday, uh, Connor Metz with the uh, 207.47 that he got at Chicago. He finished uh, sixth. Clayton Young, 208. Also and they're training partners. Training partners, both BYU graduates, both former uh, NCAA champions in cross country and 10K. These guys are yeah. these guys are studs. Uh, Galen are. Rupp has the third fastest time going in with his 208.48. Of course, he has a PR of 206, uh, 07 yes. that was uh, back a few years. Um, you know, this could be his fifth Olympic team, Galen Rupp. You, t- you know, we were just trying to figure it out. He's 37 years old. 
<laughs> to make, you know, 20 years, but I think he was like 21 when he made his first team or 20 or right. so. And so it's, it's mathematically possible he could do a fifth Olympic team, which would, I think George Young had made four Olympic teams. So this would be a record for that. Um, Sam, well, yeah, and we got to, and he was a, he, he was a medalist in Rio. Oh, exactly. Then, you well, know, was, silver medalist in the 10 uh, K and a bronze medalist in the marathon. Then, uh, right. Yeah. Two years, uh, four years later. Um, uh, uh, Chalega, am I saying that right? Sam Chalega. Yep. He's a 208.50 and Scott Fable, 208.52. He's, you know, I'm looking at this Scott Fable. I don't really recognize him, but he's got a 209.46, a 209.09, right. and a 208.52. Those are his top three times, all sub two tenths. You know, and so um, now I don't want to forget Joel. Ren Ren I'm not going to mess his name up. Renshaw? Renkow? From SDSU. Welchow. W, or let me spell it. R-E-L-C-H-O-W. Welchow. Joel. Yeah, he's got the 15th fastest time for an American coming into this Olympic trials uh, with a 210.37. And uh, he got that at Chicago. Um, and he's a South Dakota State boy. Yeah, South Dakota State boy. And we also and there's another one. Ben Olson. He, ben uh, Olson. 23 years young and ran a 216.04, uh, I believe, uh, was that at uh, California International? It was CIM, he ran 215. Yeah. Uh, was that it? Wow. And so he's yeah. got two of them. Okay. Well, he's done. Uh, I had him, I, I had Ben and him, him and his mom and dad on a guide trip this last summer. That is awesome. So do you give the him nicest a people in the world? <laughs> so did you give him some tips? <laughs> well, <laughs> I just said, Hey, you just go out and give it your best shot. And done before I know we're getting kind of yeah, it's 40 minutes on time here, but here's the deal. I, I don't want our listeners to say, oh, you haven't talked about any of the women. Well, you know, the Olympic trials the marathon came in to be in 1984 and Joni Benoit, uh, you know, won that gold medal. And she she ran in the Olympic trials, won the Olympic trials, first one ever for women, 17 days after she had arthroscopic <laughs> knee surgery. And uh, so the 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 we're not trying to no. keep those gals out, but um, the. The uh, the race on Saturday done. Oh. It, it's uh, well, do it's you know going to be it's going to be something. Do you know about the course? I, I did a little research. I'll, they do a two point two yeah. mile loop, then they do three eight mile loops to come up with twenty six point two miles. So they go by the start. They're going to do eight loops, and and it's kind of this. They'll see each other. You know, when they make a lot of corners, right. you'll be able to look back and say, okay, how big a gap do I have and what have you. The low spot on the course is seventy nine feet above sea level. The highest spot is 112 feet above sea level. This thing yeah, is, it's, it's barely, it's flat. I mean, oh, I, it, it, if you look at the course, there's very little variation in, in the elevation. It's flat as a pancake. And I, it's sure going to make the NBC televising a lot easier without, you know, with those oh, new course yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly. They can have more stationary cameras, you know, which will be catching the runners throughout the race uh, multiple times. Well, Beers, I am so now done. exhausted. I feel like I just qualified for another Olympic trials here. Well, I know it. This is so fun. And I, I, I tell you, I'm going to be on that in my on my uh, recliner chair watching that race on Saturday morning. So here's who, you're gonna here's make who I'm going with. Okay, I'm, I'm yeah. writing this down. Now, not in any particular order. Top okay? three. Just top three. I'm, I'm going with the old Rupp. Master, yeah. Galen Rupp. It's one of them. And then the two training partner guys, Clayton Young and Connor Mance. I mean, they're going to be tough, but that's the thing about a marathon. 
it's, you know, yeah, you can look at who the favorites are, but with it being such a long run, all it takes is a, of a, is a cramp, uh, whether it be in your legs or a, a side stitch. And man, it can bring that hope of making a team not to fruition, you know. And then on the women's side, um, I tell you what, I'm I'm going uh, with Emily Sisson. That's a She's the American record holder, yep. 21829. Kira Diamato, she was the record holder at 21912, <laughs> and then uh, Emily broke it, you know, like a month or so later. And then I'm going, she's never made an Olympic team, but gosh dang, she's been running good. She's got a, uh, she's got a PR of a little over two hours and 20 minutes. She's 40 years old, but Sarah Hall. Wow. Good. Yeah. If anybody's yeah, got so the, we'll see. Yep. I, it, well, you did it easy. You took the fast three, three fastest guys. I'm going to throw <laughs> well, one. I'm going to, I'm taking Rupp out. I don't think he can do it. I'm going to okay. move Scott Faubel. I don't know why that guy catches my eye, but you know what? He's his, pretty consistent. He is. He's, he is so yeah. steady. So I'm going to go with the, the BYU guys and, and Scott Faubel. You know, I'm looking at these guys as ages. Mets is 27. Young, uh, Clayton Young is 30. Uh, Galen Rupp, 37. Uh, Chalinga, 38. And Faubel, 32. Uh, uh, Chow Joel, is 30. And Ben Olsen, 23. You know, and and so uh, I, I'm going to say Joel's going to Joel's going to um, PR. He's going to move up, and I think I see a top ten oh, finish yeah. for him. And I see Ben Olson. You know, I I just see a PR for him. I, it's hard well, listen, to predict. Ben's a point. young, yeah. You know, he's the young buck in there. So he's, you know, depending on what he wants to do and with his running and his life and whatnot. I mean, you know, running that PR at CIM this past December. You know, I mean, and he, let's say he has a good run. Uh, on Saturday, it could kind of motivate him like it did me 40 some years ago. That's exactly what I'd like to see too. I like to see him run that 211, 212 and go, wow. Yes. You know, I'm 23 and I'm, I, I want to see what I can really do now. And, and Joel's oh, kind of that done. same thing too. You oh, know, yeah. talking about all this stuff, it's making me <laughs> seem a little bit older almost. Yeah. Well, good luck falling asleep Friday night thinking about this. Oh. <laughs> hey, I know it. I can't wait. And we'll, well, next week, uh, on the podcast too, we'll take part of the show maybe and, and talk about the, the trials race. And yeah, stuff. you know, and Undy's going to be there. I talked to Undy the other day, Scott Underwood. Good. Yeah, he's he winters down in Florida, and he called me. He was asking me about how do you store e-bikes in hot, humid, salt water conditions. Oh, and I said I haven't got right. a clue. But we started talking about uh, running, and uh, he said, "Yeah, he's going to be over there supporting those guys." Well, good. And yeah. so it's going to be a fun weekend. And we want to thank everybody for listening. And if you have any questions for Dunn or I or comments about the show, you can contact us directly on our website at beardsanddunpod.com. Or you can leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or X page, all at Beards and Done Pod. Yeah, and if you're watching on YouTube, need I say, please hit the like, hit subscribe. Uh, We'd love to hear some comments. We will try to get back to you on those. Beards, it's always a pleasure, and I can't oh, wait to done. chat next time. Me neither. Have a good week, buddy. You too, bud. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.